Welcome to the Washington Union Alliance Church Podcast, an archive of our recorded sermons. We're a Christian and Missionary Alliance Church located in Newcastle, Pennsylvania. For more information, go to wuac.org. Do you struggle with having a soft heart in a very hard world? When we listen to these scriptures, right, all across the Bible, my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, lay down one's life for one's friends. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And these three remain, faith, hope, and what? Love, but love is the greatest of these. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. You ever bit overwhelmed at the Bible's command to love God and love other people? Can we just be honest for a second, church? Do you struggle finding a very soft heart in a hard world? (laughs) If we're all honest, we've all been disappointed by love, hurt by love, We've lamented over love. We've grieved over love. It's hard to find it sometimes. And it seems as though that love is as distant as the Rocky Mountains are right now from Western Pennsylvania. <laughs> Can I just, just, like, just be honest for a second? God designs our hearts to be formed by people that are closest to us. Even in our families, aren't the people that are closest to us sometimes, let's just be honest, People that are closest to us, family and friends, what have you, or in our inner circle, or whoever that circumstance is, your coworker, aren't those people sometimes the hardest to love? <laughs> Can we just be honest for a second? I love the church. I believe in the church. I believe in the per- local church. Perfect, not at all. In Jesus' eyes, we are his plan A to bring forth his presence. We are image bearers and reconcilers and forgivers and healers and restorers. We hope together, grieve together, pray together, commune together. We are on mission together. I love the local church, but can I be honest? And I think you can be honest too. We have all had some very hard experiences in the church. And sometimes, I have a treasure chest. I have a treasure chest full of thank you cards Yet I've had some very hard experiences in the local church, and I'm sure you have too. Expectations unmet, disappointment. Sometimes we are disappointed in others. Relationship that gets very difficult or just downright hard. But I love the local church. But yet, we have all have been disappointed by those who are closest to us. Big question today is this. How do you keep your heart soft when you go through the hard stuff? How do you do it? Marriage, job, relationship that you will go through, if not right now, you and I will go through a very dark and storming period in our life. It's just going to happen. And how we go through that period is crucial because our heart is being cultivated and formed during that. And just as important as how we, when we go through it is how we respond to that is very, very important crucial as well. The enemy would love that hard experience in your life to produce a hard heart in you. When your heart goes down, your joy goes down. When your heart goes down, your heart becomes hardened, and then you back off, and then you remain distant from relationships, and the purpose by which you were created is in jeopardy. How do we keep 
a soft heart in a very hard world when we're going through hard stuff. A few weeks ago, we looked at the very last statement of the I Am series of Jesus' seven I Am statements in the Gospel of John. And Jesus said in the very last week that we left off, and I, we needed to finish this because it's so crucial, a second part of this vine, John 15 part, is this very crucial. And this last is one of those statements. So we're going to look at this statement again and then also kind of finish it out with a part two of this. It's so important. Um, these are fundamental statements. When Jesus makes these I am statements, we are saying as people who trust in Jesus that these statements are true about him and that when we live into that, when we believe in him and trust in him, we're saying that's going to be true for ourselves, that we're being changed by them. Um, one author says that these statements, they says that I am changes who I am, I am changes what I do. So when we trust in Jesus, we're saying that these statements are true about Jesus, but we're saying these about the living God who lives and reigns even now. Jesus is not a was. Jesus is an is. Jesus is an is. Jesus is alive this morning. Amen? He's not dead. Amen? And he lives in you by his spirit. And you see, all of us who trust in Jesus are being becoming somebody. We are being some. We are becoming and being formed and also becoming like Jesus. And when Jesus says, I am this, he's saying that these statements are true and I can, you are, I'm trustworthy and these are also true for you. And I'll produce those in you if you trust in me. You see, but could it be, church, and when we talk about the vine or the branches and we talk about this, that some of us, and we've done a lot of things without truly digging a well for deep and lasting life, right? And we kind of, we looked at this and we said, you know what, there's sometimes, right, when you go to Barnes & Noble, you go online, you find like 15 things to be a better you, right? You go on, you Google them, like seven things to become a better person, 18 things to be a better you. And we kind of like look at that and we're like, yes, and it's like this quick fix, but oftentimes, does it dig a well for very deep and lasting change? I'm not so sure. Um, we all want to make a difference, do we not? We all want to have a deep and abiding and a sustainable relationship with Jesus. But what about, could it be that when we trust in Jesus, and could it be that as we trust in Jesus, man, what if your kids noticed? I mean, what if your neighbors noticed a deep change in you? What if your families noticed a deep change in you? Your neighbors noticed like this really deep change in you. A fervent relationship and all these various methods and good things, which are not bad, by the way. Going to Barnes & Noble, finding that, it's not bad. It's not bad to, to read that stuff. But could it be that we have kind of dug a well without digging a deep enough well that's going to be drawn from for a deep and lasting life? And all of those efforts to try to change and try to be effective, we oftentimes find or try to find other sources. Um, we all have, and I'm praying today, that that craving and desire that we all have to make a difference would be stirred to come to know Jesus, the one who desires all of our hearts, your heart and mine, that this very day. Okay, so John 15, it's in your Bible. It's on page 764. You can go there in the Bible in front of you. You can go on your app. You can go and follow on the screen behind me. But here's kind of the big picture. So just, to, just if you're like opening this up or if you're like you've never opened a Bible before, just kind of give some context here. A big picture of John chapter 15. Jesus is the vine and the branches. So this is what, this is the overall framework of this is in chapters 13 to 17, 14 to 17. These are the kind of the last few 
few words about Jesus's life. And Jesus, this is exactly what Jesus is trying to tell his disciples before he's crucified and before he's crucified. So these chapters give us an inside look as to what Jesus was thinking about and his teachings and the last things that Jesus wants us to know before he's gone. Um, and this is the last things that Jesus wants us to know in the bigger picture of this. Um, that one commentator says that this could be the, described as Jesus's last will and testament of himself. So when we come to know this, this is the last will and testament of Jesus, and he's demonstrating to us something about the very heart of God the Father in these passages as well. So notice with me verses 1 and 2. It says, I am the true vine, and you and my Father is the gardener. Jesus speaks in very plain language here to his disciples. This, a vine would have been very familiar, uh, very common in Jesus' day. And fruit is only able to sprout up if it's connected to the source, the vine. And Jesus here is saying that he is the, the fruit bearer, that the, the source of all fruit bearing is Jesus. And that he is the only way to produce fruit. We all want to produce fruit. We all want to have this fruit produced and birthed in us. And the only source and the only way to bear fruit is being connected to Jesus, being connected to the vine itself. So if, you, um, if you're new, uh, we at this church, the Washington Union Alliance Church, value the preaching and teaching of the scriptures. And I pray that you would find a home church that does the same, that preaches and teaches the scriptures faithfully. Uh, 764, it's on the screen behind me. And we're starting in verse 9 of John 15. It says, as the Father has what? Loved me, so I have what? Loved you, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will what? Remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. What is that? Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one, has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you what? Friends. For everything I have learned from my Father I made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Notice verses 9 and 10. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. You see, part of the abiding process, this remaining in Christ, is obedience. Just obeying God at his word and his commands. And I'm convinced the Bible is telling us two main things about our relationship with God and then other people. Two primary things, relationship with God and others. The Bible is all about relationships, God and other people, how we love God and then how we love others as well. And Jesus is saying in this instance, he's saying in this circumstance, like this instance, that my commands, the things that I tell you to do are actually guardrails. They're actually guardrails for actually what will be a very vibrant and full and purposeful life. Now, when we say like, obey my commands, we're kind of, kind of rub up against that sometimes a little bit. So when I thought about this, I thought about a guardrail, right? We've all kind of experienced a guardrail. Maybe it brings up bad memories for you. Certainly does for me. When we think about a guardrail, though, it is a protector. It's a protection from us, for us, um, to give us and protect us and a safety, to give us a boundary for our protection. Um, and I can recall this past winter coming home from Christmas 
um, with Morgan's family. It was Christmas night. Um, it was pouring down rain. It was miserable. And there was a major water puddle right along I-79 coming north on, in West Virginia. And it was pouring down rain. And I remember, by God's grace and kindness, we spun 360 degrees, and we didn't hit anybody coming home. Thank the Lord for that. But we did hit the guardrail, and that guardrail saved us and protected us from that. And we often think sometimes like Jesus' commands and God's commands sometimes limit us or suck the joy out of us. Yet, in fact, maybe we think, man, God's just a joy killer and joy stealer when he's telling me to do all this stuff. And somehow, God's withholding something from me. If I ask, if he's telling me to do this, he's withholding something from me. Um, and we often think that God's zapping the joy out of our lives because we're, we have to do these commands. But as we love God, we'll naturally obey God. And as we obey God, we abide in the love that he has for us. We'll walk with him and become like him. Deuteronomy 6 says this, The hero Israel, the Lord your God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your what? Heart and with all your what? Soul and with all your what? Strength. And Leviticus 19.18 follows this. You shall love, the neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is the Old Testament. This is before Jesus. But Jesus picks up on this in the New Testament in his ministry. In Matthew 22, starting in verse 34, it says, Hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together. And one of them, an expert in the law, tested him with this question. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment of the law? Kind of trying to get a little bit on him and trying to kind of spur this on him. Teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? Jesus replied this. It's always telling, to, always telling obviously, to kind of look at how Jesus responds and what Jesus responds with. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and what? Greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. That's it. And all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So all of the law and prophets, all of what they're saying, all the, all, most, a lot of the Old Testament law and prophets, all types testimonies, all of this, all of those are on those two love command hooks, okay? So kind of like picture this like for a second. All of those, all of the law and all the prophets are on those two command, love command hooks. And uh, once one person I read kind of, kind of looked at this and sort of imaged this as like two equal pegs from equal height from which a great bundle hangs. So if you kind of picture this, um, many Jews in Jesus' day pictured the Bibles as hundreds of pegs from which hundreds of individual commands hang down in suspension of almost equal lengths. But Jesus cuts all of those strings. If you have this image, he cuts all of those strings, pulls out all the pegs but two, and suspended the whole Bible from those two commands, which are very so close to each other, they can be rightly called the double love command. So if you kind of think about this, two separate pegs united by both, two pegs nailed and pushed into the wall, and two nails through both sides of those pegs. Um, there's an author named Doug O'Donnell adds this. He says, God cannot be loved apart from our neighbor, and our neighbor cannot be loved apart from God. There, these are two, there are two pegs nailed into the wall of God's word, and those two pegs are also nailed into each other. And those two pegs are the pegs that ought to be nailed into the heart of every single Christian. How do you have a soft heart in a hard world? <laughs> 
How do you do it? Do you notice how many times, like we, if you've ever read John 15, you go through it. There are so many times it says remain or abide. Have you noticed that? Remain or abide. He says that over and over and over and over again. Whatever your translation of your Bible, it means to stay connected to Jesus, the life-giving source of the vine. And one uh, definition says that it's an inward, enduring, personal communion with Jesus. Shows up 11 times across the chapter, and it's repeated to show these disciples. This is just before Jesus is about to be handed over, and this is just before he's about to be. And this, this is Jesus saying, you want to know how you can commune and be in relationship with me when I'm gone? Abide. Abide in me. Obey my commands. Abide in my love. Abide in the relationship that I have with you. And even though he's not going to be physically with these disciples, and he's not physically, he is by his spirit with us even now. So he's saying this to say, if you want to have this abiding life, a life that's going to bear fruit, fruit that's going to last, abide in me, keep with me, stay in my commands, stay in my word. And Jesus knows something about this. He knows something about human nature. That we have to abide and trust in him. Apart from, apart from Jesus, we can do absolutely nothing. Verse 11 says this, I have told you this so that my what? Joy may be in you and that your what? Joy may be complete. And maybe you're like, read that verse this morning. You're like, la di da. You're like, that is so far removed from my life right now, I can't even begin to explain that. The joy. You're kidding me. Complete joy? Complete joy? The expense of this? You really? You mean joy when I'm in the Father's favor? Right? <laughs> And Jesus is speaking to this, mind you. He is speaking to this to his disciples, the people that have spent these years together. He's speaking to this. And the majority of the time, they have spent a ton of time together. And he's saying to them, love each other. <laughs> he's saying that in essence, that other people are going to know the love that you have for me if you do, if you love each other. Yes, the person that you know very, 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 very well. Yes, very, very well. The people that you know very, very well, that person that you know very well. I mean, the joy, is joy a result of abiding love? Yes, it is. You see, even to disciples and for very well us too, we can push this abiding and pursuing to the side. We can kind of say, when I get out of this difficult schedule, then I'll start abiding. The wind syndrome when I find enough time in my busy schedule, then I will start trusting in Jesus, and then I'll start having some little bit quiet time with him. When I don't have this nagging person in my life, then I'll start. When things get better in my life, then I'll begin to start to do this. When I begin to have 1,000% clarity about my future, about my job, then I'll start abiding in Jesus. And there aren't any conditions to this, but Jesus simply says, remain in me, abide in me, remain in me. And we shouldn't attach qualifiers to this or try to negotiate with God on this. This is serious business. Remain in me because apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in Jesus in every season, in every circumstance, at every turn, in all of life. Don't just wait until the right time to do so. 
Today is the right time to do so. Right now is the right time to do so. The key to this, and I think far too often, we often assume that we look for the fruit in our life, but the key to this is just abiding. Simply keep abiding. And this has profound implications on how we live and how we move for every believer. And notice the words, words earlier we read earlier. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. And in verse 17, it says, love each other. And as I've been reflecting on this passage and in my own life, this is all about relationships. All about relationships. You see, God wants us to have relationship with him, you know, as we continue to cultivate that relationship, whether for you, maybe that's daily reading in the morning or times of prayer or just times of silence, all of this, um, keeping in step with the Spirit, all very practical ways to keep our souls abiding in Jesus. And I'm sometimes wondering, church, if we sometimes have shortcutted that way through this abiding passage that we've become so incredibly busy, almost tirelessly distracted from this, that we've missed the point. Um, while I was on vacation, I had this opportunity to read this book called The, Ru- the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. And it highlights the unfortunate need that causes two very deep divisions in our life. I know for my life, and I can probably imagine your life, that these are two divisions in your life. Um, our walk with God and then our walk with others. He mentions that if you read the Bible, Satan often doesn't show up as a demon with a pitchfork, but he's much more intelligent than we give him credit for. You're far more likely to run to the enemy in the form of alert on your phone while reading your Bible or a multi-day Netflix binge or on a dope or full-on dopamine addiction to Instagram or Saturday morning at the office or another game on Sabbath and commitment and commitment and commitment and a life of speed. Corey Ten Boom was an author and said that she says this. She's a um, wonderful, wonderful life story too. If the devil can't make you sin, he'll make you busy. Both sin and busyness have the same effect, that they cut off your connection to God, to other people, and even to our own souls. And oftentimes, church, let's let's just be honest. While I read this in this passage, it's oftentimes in our quiet times or Bible reading and prayer, man, they're cut short. They're cut short due to the dings on our phone, the 24-hour news cycle, Everywhere we're tempted to say, slow is, slow is bad and fast is good, kind of thing. And Jesus did a lot of things, everything, at three miles an hour, <laughs> which we might have something to glean from. The very form, the very thing that all of us crave, but also keeps us from God himself and stealing our attention. Psychologists make the point that the vast majority of Americans' relationships to their phones falls at least under the category of compulsion. We've got to check the last text, click on Instagram, open that email, we have to do it or we're going to miss out. And most of us are on the path just to full-on addiction to that. What is this, and he says this in his book, what is all this distraction and addiction and pace of life doing to our souls? It's a good question to ask. Really good question to ask. And it's not just distraction during quiet time, but it's, just, it's also distracting us from relationships. The very thing that God has designed for us to be in relationship with him and to also grow in the Christian life and in community with each other. Love each other as I have loved you. This is horizontal. Horizontal. Uh, one author, 
also says it like this, that this in sum is what I'm commanding you. Have a heart for each other. Have a heart from each other. Jesus does not tire of reminding us that the main fruit he wants in every disciple is heart for other people. Heart for the people that God has given to us and to you. The very people that we are thinking about right now that oftentimes maybe make our heart hard, that we have a really difficult time loving. And Jesus says this in the context with the very people that probably knew each other very well for the last three years before Jesus was in this community with each other. Have a heart for the people that God has given to us. And the 11, they were given this love in some special way. And I just think this is Jesus, one of the earliest disciples, learning to have a heart for each other. Just good old-fashioned learning to get along with each other. (laughs) That's what it is. The main thing that Jesus wants from us is to have a heart for the people that God has given to us. Have a heart for people that God has given to us. He can't seem to remind us enough of that, this responsibility, horizontally and vertically, but horizontally to people around us. He, can't, he says it over and over, over again. Notice all the fruits of the Spirit in Galatians 5 are all relational. The fruits of the Spirit are love. Love is a decision. Joy, even when it's difficult. Peace, when the relationship's at full throttle. Patience, when you want to throw the hammer down. Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, when you want to bark. Self-control when you want to be selfish. Heard my former pastor say one time that just as important as doing, doing daily devotions is living devotionally. Only pour out what we're taking in. It's like when I, I thought about this when I passed, I was in Scotland Lane and there was a couple kids outside selling lemonade. I don't know if anyone saw this yesterday. There are a couple kids outside selling lemonade and um, the, being entrepreneurs or, um, or just... I don't know what other, you know, just being good stewards of their time um, um, and just servants, you know. Um, but one of them held up a sign that says, we're out of pink lemonade. And um, sorry, and it was like a dot, dot, and a frowny face. It was great. It was just great. Um, thank you for laughing at that. Um, um, but they sold out of lemonade. Um, and um, I just, just... <laughs> Not that it got, kind of got spiritual there for a second. I was like thinking about today and then that. And I was like, you know, we can only give to others what we're pouring in. If they're out, they have to refill that. You can't give people what we don't have. So I often look at myself. I'm like, if I, am I really giving to myself with the Lord, the abiding process? When I am, when am I giving to others? When am, I, am I putting into myself what I can give to others as well? So as we're living this out, how do you keep your heart soft when you go through the hard stuff? Be intentional about spending time with Jesus, even with the weight of everything it feels like, man, I don't want to do this. When my life gets together, I'll start doing that. But also don't get distracted. By the way, messages are just as much as for me as they are for you, okay? Don't get distracted. Turn the phone off while doing that. Get filled with prayer. Be intentional about relationships with others. Yeah, those very people that those very first disciples are looking at each other and they're like, love each other. And you're like, you're kidding me? That guy or gal? That's the one I'm supposed to love? And you may be thinking the same thing. That person I see every day? Verse 16, I chose you and I appointed you. Chose and appointed you to bear fruit. That that's no option. It's like, command. I chose you. I chose you and appointed you to do this. 
You see, oftentimes the very hardship that we often rather not receive is the very thing that we need to move us on to spiritual maturity. Oftentimes the very hardship that we rather not have is the very thing we needed to move us on to spiritual maturity. That very hard experience that you're in right now that will actually bring you to be more like Christ. I'm not, I'm not sure if you've heard about this, but there was a couple in the state of Iowa that was born. They were married 72, they, uh, they were married, I can't recall, um, uh, married, they were married um, a very long time. I can't recall maybe exactly, but they were married, they um, uh, married, no, married 72 years and they died an hour apart. In the state of Iowa, there was a couple that was married for that for 72 years and they, they died in the hospital one hour apart. And they did everything together, as their daughter had said. Norma and Gordon Yeager got into a car accident in their small town of State Center, Iowa, but never made it. A car accident sent them to the emergency room intensive care unit with other broken bones and other injuries. But even in the hospital, their concerns were each other and where each other were. And she was saying her chest hurt and what's wrong with her dad. And his back hurt and he was asking about their mom. And it was clear that their conditions weren't improving. And the couple moved in together and joined hands. And Gordon died at 3.38 p.m., yet the monitor showed that the heart was still beating. And the nurse said that dad was picking up mom's heartbeat through mom's hand. And that's it. God's heart beats through us for the world to see. And as we hold hands and hearts with the true vine of Jesus... His pulse becomes ours, and his life becomes ours too. Today's big idea is plural. Devotion without distraction. This is bigger than also, it also means those quiet mornings, you know, devotions. It just means, what do we need to cut off? That is bringing us down, that is not sustaining us new life, and sustaining us the fullness of joy. What is that? Obedience in all circumstances, committing to relationships, and walking by the Spirit. Devotion without distraction. Obedience in all circumstances, even if it's hard, even if we don't know the plan, even if we don't have everything together. Committing to the relationships, committing into the relationships God has given all of us, and walking in step with the Spirit. Amen? Amen. Worship team, will you come on up as we sing this together?